0: It's Easter Sunday, and it is our final week of our series called Alive. We know the series, uh, we call it Alive because Jesus is not just a historical figure. He's not just a nice guy who did nice things. He's not just a martyr who died years ago. No, he is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, our God and King. He lived a perfect life, died a brutal death, and what happened three days later? that we are celebrating today. His victory over death. Jesus rose again and offers a life to all who simply believe in him and call on him as their Lord and Savior. We know Jesus lived. We know Jesus died. And we know that Jesus is alive. So we're gonna hear about this most amazing event in the history of the world from Matthew 28 uh, verses one through 10. Give you a little context to catch you up to speed in case you haven't been tuning in. We're gonna read from the New Testament, which is the section of the Bible. It's all about Jesus. Now Jesus, he has uh, taught and changed lives for three years. He was sentenced to death, even though he's the only one without sin. He died on a Friday, taking the entire world's sin upon himself, becoming the just punishment for sin uh, in the world, so that we might be freed from its power over us and receive forgiveness and life forever and ever with God. Then Jesus' body was laid in a tomb. The disciples, like everyone else, maybe even like you, thought dead people stayed dead. They were completely destroyed and distraught, confused. They were deep in grief and misery. They were, metaphorically speaking, trapped in their own tombs of sorrow and despair. But early, very early, when it was still dark, (laughs) Sunday morning, some women disciples who followed Jesus, they went to the tomb to pay their respects to Jesus Christ. And that's when they discovered something they never expected. Let's hear God's true word together this morning as found in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. As I read this passage aloud, I would love for you to leave in the comments what is standing out to you about this incredible true story that happened several, several thousand years ago there. Hear God's word. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. (laughs) And his clothes, they were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him they shook and they became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. They ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. So they came to him. They clasped his feet. They worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the very good word of the Lord, and we give thanks to God. A question for you. Do you remember that moment about a month or so ago when everything changed? Do you remember that moment when the reality of what is happening around the world started to creep in and solidify and you couldn't figure out what was going on. You couldn't find ground beef. You couldn't find toilet paper. And so you realize, hey, there's something actually big going on here right now. Do you remember that moment in your life? What was that moment these past few weeks or months that made you realize the significance of this experience we're going through? See, I remember for me, uh, it was March 12th. It was my wife's birthday. And I remember it because I was determined to do everything I could that day to make sure she had an amazing, special day. And at the same time, News was coming out uh, by the hour with rapid updates, and our church was trying to determine our own response, and were we going to close that Sunday for, like, the first time ever, right, aside from weather. So let's just say anytime time my wife Meg would leave the room, I would quick pull out my phone and shoot off really fast text or a quick email really, really quickly every time she left the room, and then she took a two-hour nap that day. I got so much work done in those two hours. So I also remember it because that was the last time she and I went out to eat together. We were very cautious in going out that day before things had gotten even worse. I remember it was so bad that I had taken my own hand sanitizer with me. That's not something I generally do. It was Strawberry Bath and Body Works hand sanitizer. It probably attracted more germs instead of uh, killing them. But uh We went and we ate at this restaurant, and now that restaurant's closed until further notice with no promise of being able to reopen. That was the day for me, for our family, everything for our lives in this season seemed to change. But there was another day. There's another day in the history of the world where everything did change, and it wasn't just for a season. Nope, it was for the remainder of time, and this wasn't a bad change. No, this was the change that had been planned by God ever since sin entered the world in the garden all those years ago. This was the change that saved the world and saves us, and these two Marys are the ones to first hear this universe-changing news, and I love it. Mary and Mary, they are up super early on a Sunday morning at the crack of dawn. It's so dark. They get up to anoint Jesus's body to pay their respects. You see, the day before, they couldn't come because it was the Sabbath. They were to remain home. Imagine how long of a day that would have been sitting and waiting in your grief and your sorrow because Jesus Christ was dead. And though he had told them he would come back, they did not understand. So they think their God is dead. How can that be? So they sit in their grief. They sit as they mourn. And all you want to do is go be with your Lord. But you can't. You can't leave the house to go where your heart desires and dawn finally breaks, so the first chance they get, they are right out of there. They get to the tomb, and there are these guards. You see, these guards that are there were probably these battle-hardened soldiers. This Jesus thing, it was a big deal to the Romans and the Pharisees. In the section right before this passage, the Pharisees are conspiring with Pilate to put Jesus's tomb under heavy guard because they remember Jesus said he's coming back. But here's the thing, the Pharisees, they didn't believe Jesus was actually gonna rise again. No, they were afraid the disciples would steal his body in the night and then proclaim that he rose again. They didn't believe he could come back from the dead. You see, they didn't have an experience like I had when I was about six years old or so. Let me share this potent story with you. I was six years old, my oldest brother Adam had a pet hamster. This hamster's name was Raider. I guess he named it after the Oakland Raiders. Why? I have no idea. I guess it's better than the lions. (laughs) Anyway, Raider had lived for a time, but he's a hamster. So he died, like they do. And they're little rodents. They're kind of these really gross, disgusting little creatures. But anyway, he died and so my dad, Is the one who found his body uh, or realized that Raider was dead. It was after we had all gone to bed. He didn't want us kids to be disturbed by a little dead rodent body so he placed it in a shoebox. Taped the lid closed, I really don't know why, uh, so it didn't smell or something, not sure, and then he went to bed. The next morning my dad breaks the news to us. My oldest brother is crushed. Raider is dead. My dad asks if he wants to say goodbye before Raider enters his final resting place of our backyard. And so we walk to where he placed the shoebox. And lo and behold, that shoebox was moving, hopping, thump, thump. And my dad proclaimed in a loud voice, Raider, you come out of that shoebox. He didn't say that, but I like to imagine he did. Apparently, this hamster was in some sort of deep sleep. They do that, I guess. But six-year-old me, whoo, I believed. (laughs) Okay, it's kind of a light story. But here's the thing. The Pharisees should have known Jesus can do what he says he was going to do. Because Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus raised a little girl from the dead. Jesus had already proven to the Pharisees and the disciples and everyone his power over death, but they thought if he was dead, that power went away. They didn't believe Jesus when he proclaimed he was the resurrection and the life. The Pharisees re- rejected that the very truth that was before them, and so working Really hard on the Sabbath, being a bit hypocritical there, the Pharisees sealed the stone. They put their best soldiers in front of that tomb because this was their obsession for three years with stopping this Jesus guy. And then the angel shows up and the very power of heaven and the earth shakes. He appears like lightning and rolls the stone away. This isn't a tame image like a kid's Bible often shows. No. And how did these strong, burly, war-tested man soldiers respond to the power of the angel? They trembled and became like dead men. I always wondered at that line. They became like dead men. I think they were playing dead playing dead like you see in the movies or like you do as a kid. If we just lay still enough, the super powerful angel of the Lord won't notice us. Good luck, soldiers. And then the super powerful line from the angel of the women. The women who came to grieve and instead received this very good news. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus. And yet, yeah, he was crucified. Yes, he did die, but he is not here. He is not amongst the dead, for he has risen. He is alive, just as he said. Jesus Christ is who he said he was, and he will do and did what he said he was going to do. Jesus promised. He promised, he said he would rise from the dead, and guess what? He did. We can be confident Jesus will accomplish all he has promised us. If he can defeat death, he can do anything. He is God, he is Lord, and he is alive. Who is this Jesus that has power over death? You tell me, who is this Jesus that has power over death? Leave it in the comments. Who is this Jesus? This is Jesus Christ. This is our Savior. He draws us close to the hurting. He is near the brokenhearted. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He has power over the winds, the earth, and the sea. He calms fears, and demons fear him. He rebukes the hypocrites. He calls us to live in love and grace. He teaches with authority. He has compassion for his people. He equips and sends out his believers. He comforts the hurts. He mends the broken. He raises up the lowly. He seeks the least. He saves the lost. He fills us with his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raises the dead to life, lives in us Jesus is the bread of life the light of the world our protector the good shepherd the resurrection and the life the way the truth the life he is the alpha and omega the beginning and the end he is the god of the universe he is our god our lord our king he is the risen one he is risen this This is Jesus. This is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. And he did. He did all of this. All of this. left heaven to become human. To live and feel and experience everything you may experience in life. He came to understand. He came, and then he taught, and he endured incredible suffering and death, taking the entire sin of the world, past, present, and future, upon himself, to the point where God the Father abandoned him, for sin and God are not compatible. He died in our place, so that you and I may live. But then, in his mighty power, over all things, he was raised from the dead, and he lives again and forever. Why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus do this? Why why did he do this? He did this? He did this for you. I want you to say that out loud. He did this for me. He did this for me. He did this for you. So in our seclusion, in our time of quarantine, does your house all of a sudden feel a little bit small? Does it feel like the walls are closing in a little bit? Does it kind of feel like a tomb? Do you feel trapped? especially when it's rainy and snowy out and you just can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You feel stuck and you're going a little crazy and you feel like you're in a tomb. Here's the thing. I'm guessing a lot of us feel like we are living in tombs right now. And I'm not just talking about because of our isolation and our quarantine. No, I'm talking about tomb that many of us, many of us feel like we are trapped, trapped in our misery, trapped in the darkness, trapped in worry, trapped in stress, anxiety, trapped in sin, in addiction. Maybe you're trapped in a thousand questions and you feel like you don't have any of the answers. You're in a place where you don't want to be but you have no idea how to get out of it and you feel the darkness all around you and you cannot see the light you can't see the way out for there's a heavy stone over the only entrance and it's a big stone and it's sealed and it's too heavy and you feel too weak and the guards are too strong and it's all crushing and overwhelming and you feel like you're dead. Even if you try to escape on your own, you're not strong enough. And there are forces at work keeping you trapped in the darkness and the stink of sin and death and decay. And you long and cry for a way out. Feel captive, but you think this is it. There's no way out. And it would have been, you're right, there would have been no way out, no escape if Easter never happened. I am here to tell you today It doesn't matter how strong or weak you are. It doesn't matter how deep in sin you are or how far you feel you are from God, how big your worries or your concerns, how many questions you have, how many doubts you have, or how many times you've messed up in your life. It doesn't matter how trapped you think you are because Jesus Christ defeated death. If he can defeat death, he can do anything trapped, the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth, and he sets you free. That stone's too heavy for you. It's not for him. You feel too far away from him. He is right now drawing close to you. You feel you don't deserve his love? None of us do. That is the beauty of grace that Jesus Christ did all of this, not because of anything we've done, but because of who he is. And who is he but love, personified, and he did this out of the depth of his love for you. As it says in 1 Peter 1.3, by dying he destroyed our death, and by rising again he restored our life. So why are you living as though you are dead and in a tomb? What is your tomb? Name it. What is your tomb right now? What is the darkness surrounding you where you cannot see? Name it and own it and bring it to the Lord. What are those areas of death in your life? Ephesians 2, Paul writes this, you were, that's a past tense word, you were dead in your transgressions, but Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Without God, we are trapped, we are dead. But in him, because of him, we have life. We have freedom to live in his abundance forever and ever and ever and ever. You desire to be free? Be free, for Christ has set you free. You realize you need to be saved from your sin and yourself? God already did the work. You simply need to believe and call on him. Are you surrounded by people who don't believe in you? Good news, God believes in you. You feel like you're going through something, uh, going through life without any purpose or meaning? God has a set calling and purpose, For you and your life. And God believes in you so much, he died for you. And because he lives, he has given us his spirit so that we will never, ever, ever, ever face this world alone. We will never be trapped in that dark tomb again. Romans 8.11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. You are never alone. God is never far from you. Jesus is the answer. He is the to all your questions. He is the answer to life. He is the answer to your pain, to your doubt, to your hurting, your struggles, to your deep longing. So today on Easter Sunday, we celebrate your sin, can be forgiven. And it's not because you're good. It's because he's good. You can be set free, not because you're strong, but because he's strong. In our weakness, he is made strong. You can feel his presence, not because you deserve it, but because he is that good. You can live because he lives. You see, the resurrection isn't just what he does. It's who he is. And my God can defeat death. He can do anything. Do you need in your life that resurrection power today? Because it is here for you. It is here for you. That tomb, it's empty. That stone, it is rolled away and as Jesus Christ said to Lazarus, he says to you and me, come on out of that tomb and live, live. For death in this world, death does not have the final say. Sin does not have the final say for God, took it away. He took away death's sting. He made a way out of the punishment of sin because death and sin is not the end. God is the beginning and the end. And what is his end? But life forever in glory with him, the one who saves, the one who is alive. For Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen Indeed, praise God Almighty, from whom all blessings flow. Praise him. Let's pray. Almighty God, we can't help but just stand in awe of you today on this holiest of days when we remember power, your might, your love, your compassion for your world. You are in awe of who you are, God, that you, the God, the creator of the universe, and everything in it made a way where there was no way. You have done the impossible for nothing is impossible with you. You are strong, God, so strong that death has no power here. No, no power here. And Father, as you say, if, you pro- if we proclaim and we believe in you, we will be saved. That's not a might. That's not a maybe. That's not a if you sin again, you'll lose it. No, that is if we believe and proclaim, we will be saved. And God, I believe there are some of us today listening that want to believe and want to call on you and never have before. So God, I pray right now your spirit to work in their hearts and their life. Give them the courage to say, yes, God, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I believe what I have heard about you. I believe you are the Lord, the creator, the sustainer of life, the defeater of death. And Jesus Christ came and died for me. He died for me, for my penalty that I deserve because of the sin in my life. And I acknowledge my sin, that I have fallen short. I have made mistakes. I have messed up. But I believe if I ask you for forgiveness, you will forgive. So God, I ask that now. Forgive me of my sins. And I rejoice believing that you do forgive me. And God, I give my life to you. I want to follow you doesn't mean I'll have all the answers, but it means I'm going to keep trying. It doesn't mean I'm not going to mess up, but I'm going to come back to you when I do. Father, we celebrate the work you are doing in your spirit in people's lives this very moment, this very day. Thank you, God, for your deep love. Thank you that wherever we are in our tomb, Lord, you call us out. And we name that now, God, wherever we are in the despair and the darkness and we don't see any way out, God, you are the way, the truth, and the life. So you show us the way, Lord. Give us the courage to follow you, for nothing can beat us down. All our pain here, all our real things that we go through that we feel deeply, they are temporary but you are everlasting and life in you is everlasting. So God, we claim that for ourselves today. We claim that resurrection power for ourselves today. Make us whole, make us new, and fill us with your authority and power to then go, just as Mary and Mary did, to tell of the good news that we have. For that tomb is empty and you are alive and you have beat death and sin once and for all. Thank you for your calling on our lives. Thank you for your church that that across the world today is celebrating this truth. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that never leaves us or forsakes us, but is right here with us. God, we pray you heal this land. We pray you be with all those who are fighting sickness, fighting for their life. May they feel your presence and the comfort that only comes from you. We pray for the workers that are working diligently and long hours for the sake and health of us. For those that are stocking grocery shelves and, and, and making food for takeout and just helping provide for us to get through this time. For those that are called home to care for their families and their loved ones and to work in a new way. We pray for your perseverance and endurance and your patience and your peace. And for all of us, Lord, wherever we are, we pray we find the good in this situation and we do our part to bring your peace to this hurting world. We give you thanks, God. We give you thanks that this is your world and you have called us to play a big role in it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. We love you, God. We love you, and you are risen. So it is in the power and authority of Jesus Christ we pray all these things, and all God's people say, amen, amen, amen.